0: it before, but beginning this episode requires some context for those of you that are new. 2020 was a tough year for me, both personally and professionally. Obviously, COVID and the depth of change, anxiety, and literal trauma of fearing for our lives and being stuck in our homes aside, I went through so much additional change that really forced me to ask for help. And I'm lucky in that my childhood best friend grew up to be a kick-ass therapist and someone I could trust deeply to lead me in the right direction to find a therapist that could meet me where I was to evolve the level of happiness I was able to derive from my life in the midst of all of the change. But let me tell you that talking about feelings, mental health, and self-care were not commonplace in my household growing up. I'm a first-generation Pakistani Canadian, and this level of self-discovery and thoughtful focus on my mental health was not even remotely on the agenda of my childhood. In fact, the most common narrative in my home focused on reminders to work hard, get good grades, and keep my head down to get what I wanted in life. I saw both my mother and father work one low-paying job after another to keep food on our table and a roof over our head. And even when it wasn't vocalized, the reminder was there that education and hard work were the only ways to do better and to make their sacrifice to immigrate to Canada and leave nearly everything and nearly everyone they knew and loved behind worthwhile. That mentality of working hard and hoping it would pay off was deeply embedded in my brain from the moment I started my career. And it worked, but only for so long. See, I found myself stuck. At the age of 30, I was working for a respected company here in Calgary and doing a job that on paper seemed ideal and included travel, staying in luxury hotels, flying on corporate jets but also meant being an errand girl for executives, working tirelessly to manage minor details for a person that's not very naturally detail-oriented and especially under stress, and doing work that was baked in administrative tasks. I had a reality check one day en route to the Chinese consulate here in Calgary to obtain a visa for one of the executives I worked with. It was a brutally cold day, minus 40 degrees, yes, those are very real and extremely painful, where I had to take public transit because parking in downtown Calgary cost enough at the time to take an entire week's paycheck per month. And I have no idea how I actually ended up being tasked with this given I was not this person's assistant or even an assistant at all. But it was one of the first moments in my career where being nice and working hard without question started to work against me. It was also a literal moment to say, you can do better. You're capable of so much more and no one is going to give it to you without you believing you can get it. That night I went home and started looking into options for graduate school. And six months later, I put in my resignation and prepared to pack up my life and move to Vancouver to become a 31 year old student. A truly game-changing and life-changing decision for me. 10 years later, I find myself with choices and relationships that have built a thriving network and the opportunity to do work like this, a deep-seated passion project that allows my authenticity and lived experience to be of service to other women of color. Yet, despite this bold focus on my dreams and my relentless drive towards them, I still struggle with that little thing called boundaries. And I'm on a journey of understanding why my most natural state of being is niceness, and how it's held me back from standing fully in my worth. If you can relate in any way, I encourage you to listen on. So remember where we started in this conversation, me navigating a depth of change that forced me to ask for help, my incredible therapist who I consider to be a true safe space and someone who helps me reframe all the conditioning in my brain, said something to me really early on in one of our very first sessions together that made me realize that she was one, my person, two, really smart and really good at what she does, and three, a literal angel on earth who is truly living her life for purpose. She said to me, Shazia, there is a difference between being nice and being kind. And she went on to say something along the lines of niceness is rooted in pleasing other people and kindness though baked in thoughtfulness has boundaries and allows you to actually put yourself first now that is a totally novel concept for me and dare i say probably a number of other racialized women how many of us are taught to live our lives on autopilot operating out of a desire to please to never ruffle feathers and always say yes despite any core desires to listen to ourselves, our gut feelings, and our instincts. For me, watching my parents live in survival mode to make ends meet, to navigate the change of uprooting their lives to start over in a country that wasn't always welcoming or designed for people like them meant that learning to be quiet and grateful was something I grasped onto from an early age. It also meant that the idea of setting boundaries, self-care and knowing how to ask for what I'm worth have been concepts that have been ever evolving for me and concepts that even in my forties are still hard to master. For me, what's actually even worse is the comparison to the strong vocal and confident white women I have been surrounded by my entire career. See, I work in HR a predominantly female and white populated profession. And the work in and of itself is a balance of both strategic as well as on the other end of the extreme, really administrative. It's a function that can either be well-loved and respected or deeply hated and seen as a necessary evil, very little in between. That kind of dynamic creates an environment where proving value is a driving force for so many, and it's a true breeding ground for feelings of inadequacy, worthlessness, and struggling to find ways to be authentic. For me, you add a layer of being an only, a racialized woman in a sea of women that have completely different ways in which they navigate their day to day, and you also have another breeding ground for further feelings of inadequacy and the desire to steep further into niceness. For over 10 years of my HR career, I have watched these incredibly smart and experienced white women I work with exercise their voices and set boundaries. And although they also battle unlearning gender constructs within this really uniquely service-oriented nature of the work of HR, it's different when you have an abundance of role models that look like you, that you can emulate. An entire generation of white women have leaned in as a guidebook to work off of. Women of color are left out of that equation, so the comparisons practically aren't really fair, valid, nor are they effective, yet they're so easy to fall victim to. And that's the perspective of me, a first-generation privileged Canadian woman. I don't know the experience of immigrant women firsthand, but I know what I've been witness to and the advice I've heard shelled out time and time again. Erase your identity conform. Blend in to translate your experiences to make them more digestible for Canadian hiring leaders. Don't bring too much attention to yourself and your differences. The experience for immigrant women is baked in power dynamics, conformity, and expecting women to take what they get. That narrative is extremely problematic and leaves little room for celebrating the absolute strength, courage, and tenacity that it takes to move to another country, learn a new language, and do it all only on the promise of a potential for a better future. What should be celebrated and admired is often diminished and ignored, and that leaves little to no room for immigrant women to exercise boundaries or advance beyond those that are in positions of power. So it's no damn wonder we struggle with moving beyond nice. And it's no wonder we get stuck in the narrative that it needs to be courageous and almost audacious to exercise our rights to say no, to ask for what we desire and move through the world with the confidence and energy of one that is steeped in deep self-worth. Now, I am certainly far along on the journey, but not far long enough. And I am constantly reminding myself of the things that I need to do to move beyond this. So I'm going to share with you a series of reminders and nudges to get you moving through your life from a place of boundaries and kindness. First, give yourself grace and recognize you're actually working against conditioning that has been fed to you from childhood. As racialized women, we come from collectivist cultures where community and thinking of others before yourself is commonplace. And when that's not managed well, it can easily become toxic and detrimental. You're also working against stereotypes and perceptions that women of color have been given, labeled as aggressive, angry, or entitled when we stand our ground, when we ask for more or say no. So trust that it will take time to find your authentic ways of setting boundaries. As I draft up the remaining pieces of this episode, I'm floored by the conversations going on in the world on an upcoming interview that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are set to have with Oprah. I bring this up only to show that a woman and more importantly, a black woman setting boundaries on the things she will and will not accept for herself and her family is met with deeply polarizing responses. She's lambasted in the media, made out to be a bully, given the label of a crybaby the moment she speaks her truth. And yet, none of the people who whittle down her experiences to that of a privileged woman who is thrusted into money and in the spotlight overnight give due credit to the things she was also forced to endure as a Black woman navigating an all white empire those two parts of her identity have never been and will never be separate. So yes, race is a part of the conversation and it's important for all of us to give due credit to the ways in which the world has created narratives for all of us and know that it will take time to move past those. Second, I want you to know that a life lived on your terms is entirely possible, that it's full of abundance, and that your dreams are really worthy of pursuing. Even if you're blazing a trail your parents wouldn't approve of, or your community would look down on, your life deserves to be lived on your terms. You can walk away from jobs that don't fulfill you, or places that don't see your worth. You can take steps back to propel your life forward. You can also be that 30-year-old Shazia who bankrolled her entire life to put herself and her dreams first, despite what anyone had to say about it too. Third, know that boundaries will remove people from your life. They will change relationships that you once valued and revered because not everyone will understand your decisions, be on the same page as you, or even know what to do with the new you, but assert them anyways. I've been called entitled, bold and audacious for following my dreams. I've lost friendships and fractured professional relationships and I've walked away from jobs and organizations that no longer served me, but I've also created immense abundance space for the right opportunities and for the right people to come along in the journey. And you can too. And if it serves as a reminder, because it certainly did for me, I came across this incredible tweet by Taylor Poindexter senior backend engineer and co-founder of Black Code Collective. She goes on to say, for folks that don't know me, I live my life in a way that I fully expect people to question my audacity. I always lead with kindness, but I walk around with my head held high, shoulders back, taking up space. I remind myself I belong in these places and move like this world was built for me. And my hope for you is that one day soon, you can also walk through the world in the same way. And remember, there is a way to say no, to set boundaries thoughtfully. That's where kindness comes in and where your good home training can shine through to allow you to do it your way. As marriage and family therapist, Tori Aleto says, kindness is love rooted in the desire to connect. Niceness is fear rooted in the desire to please. So here's just you stepping into kindness a little bit more in time to come. And before I end this episode off, I wanna call attention to the information I've included in the description box of this episode, which makes reference to two of the incredible therapists I spoke about in the beginning of this conversation. I think it's incredibly important for racialized women to know that self-care and therapy are accessible and important and okay for you to access. And to have culturally sensitive therapy that's rooted in a shared understanding of some of our lived experiences is also incredibly important and something you have the right to ask for. And one of the women I mentioned in the comments below is my dear friend, Dr. Cyrus Abzali. So we actually did an incredible episode on the last season of the Color Gap podcast with her on raising strong, proud and resilient girls of color. If you care to listen to get to know a little bit more about her and her expertise. And the other woman is my therapist, Nishina Marani Miranda. Both take clients virtually and are deeply profound, impactful and expert professionals who I would personally highly, highly recommend. I'll leave you with this beautiful message that Nishina says about the power of therapy something I wish I could scream from the rooftops for all of the women of color in my life over and over again. She says healing is not about erasing fear, anxiety, or sadness. It's about developing the resources and resilience to get through those challenging times. And if you haven't taken a moment, I would love for you to be part of the conversation with me for the long term. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and tune in every two weeks for new episodes and conversations. If you're so inclined, I would love for you to leave a review or for you to connect with me to tell me how I could be a further service to you. My contact details are always left in the description box of each episode, and I'm grateful for each of you coming along on the journey with me, trusting me and giving me all this space to be my authentic self. I can't wait for what's to come next.